Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. You're listening to Room 104. Get in touch on our WhatsApp 0876797104. WhatsApp line is, of course, with Mike Murphy Insurance.ie, specialist in home insurance. There are a lot of different college courses that you can take. I took a lot of boring ones because I did a degree in finance. Yeah, that's and the biotech. most boring thing you could do. No offense. It was finance and science, and it really helps with the old radio career. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe for a control alt delete, but that's probably about it. Um, I did media studies, I did film, which was quite exciting. I thought, though, that I might end up having having to do a jam making course because oh, nice. I wasn't going to get enough points from college. But I don't think jam is, that's the one they offer in Dundalk it's IT. five points. But it's not food making jam. It's like a thing. What? I'm pretty sure it's jam as in like a, a door jam. I think, someone can correct me, if you've ever done jam making, I don't think it's the food. Oh no, I thought you were just like mushing up the, no. the strawberries <laughs> and the raspberries <laughs> we were making jam. Yeah, no. oh, well, I'm glad I didn't do it anyway. <clears throat> no, so um, I know there's, there's a lot of different electives you can do, especially if you're doing stuff like arts, whatever, but over in uh, the, uh, the Exeter University, they're offering for the first time a very interesting course which has kind of raised a few eyebrows, but the gentleman behind it who was offering this course thinks it is important that we discuss and that we talk about and that we uh, engage with something that's whether we want to admit it or not, is definitely a huge part of our lives. Uh, Dr. Joao Florencia, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm great, thank you. Um, what is this course that has caught everyone's attention that you're running over in Exeter? It will be a lot more boring than people might think. It's the just looking at, at the history of pornography ever since the 1700s, more or less, and, and try to kind of follow the history of what has various moments been called pornography or, or, or something along those lines, and try to figure out, you know, each place in the culture at various moments in history, the debates around it, debates around morality, debates around sex and sexual behavior, debates around uh, sexual transmitted infections, uh, and really to try to figure to get students to think about the industry and this form of, of cultural production that is so huge and that is consumed by so many people around the world but that still people often feel shy or, or worried to this seriously. When I read this I was like okay this wouldn't go down very well here because I feel at the moment there's a lot of people thinking that pornography actually is creating a lot of concern for younger guys in particular. Maybe it's probably going to detach us from real life human beings. Yes I mean I consistently for for centuries around these kinds of images that they are either uh, having a negative 
impact on the kind of moral compass of mm. people, which was a kind of an earlier debate, or, or that uh, as it is today, that they may be, uh, say, rewiring young people's brains and kind of having an actual kind of health impact. But whether it is a moral or, or a health point of view, that, that kind of conversation has been going on for a long time. And, and that's why it's important to think about it, to get students, especially, you know, uh, early uh, young adults to think about these images and to actually engage with these conversations, whilst at the same time also showing the wide variety of pornography that there is that has been produced historically and that is produced today. So, you know, obviously people today have access to certain types of pornography through kind of free, easily accessible websites, but there is a wide range of pornographic images or images that they were once described as pornographic and have now become, you know, part of the canon of the history of art, for instance. But also pornography made by activists, by feminist pornographers, by, by queer pornographers that are trying to produce, uh, make uh, work that is very different, you know, from the kind of porn that people often talk about and that people think about when they think about porn. And the wide variety of people work in industry. And it's important that we kind of also think about, like cinema, uh, you know, not all porn is the same thing. And that's the kind of conversation that I, I very much want to have with Yeah, no, it's really interesting. So you mentioned, obviously, that the history of porn developing over the years. Do we know when would have been the earliest recorded example of something that was deemed pornography? I think by our standards today, as soon as humankind started making images, they started making images that featured sex, that were sexually explicit. But the category of, of, of pornography itself is a kind of a much later development. It starts developing from kind of probably the, the, the 17, 1800s onwards, with increasingly kind of development of moral concerns and often as a result of new forms of media that were mm. more easily circulated. So, for instance, the printing press uh, allowed for images to be circulated a lot more cheaply and uh, circulated more easily. So obviously images of a sexual nature started being produced and circulated and then the fear was that they were reaching, for instance, the working classes and that the working classes would not have the right, you know, moral uh, strength to be able to deal with that and that that caused some social panic around those images. So it's kind of 17, 1800s with the kind of development of industrial working class develop kind of modern forms of media production or kind of more modern forms of media production that those concerns start being discussed and that then the category of pornography eventually emerges kind of legal uh, documents as part of law so the need to classify something as pornography I did a degree in film studies so obviously that was broken down into you're obviously learning about exactly where it's come from and then you watch certain films and then you make the film so we had to make it in the end what way does the course break down (laughs) this is um, an optional module I should say so no one will be forced to take the module it's an optional module in an art history and visual culture degree so students are also not expected to make art so they certainly will not be expected to to, to make uh, submit your short films by the end of the week guys or you're all going to (laughs) fail No, I mean, I think I think actually if you would be there, you'd, you'd see that most of what the module will involve is actually reading a lot of scholarship on the history of pornography, on various debates, uh, on ethical debates, moral debates, philosophical debates around pornography and art, and the kind of boundary between, you know, is it porn or is it art? There will be a lot of reading and the occasional screening, but I will also say that the screenings will be things that will be 
relating to the topics that we are discussing. There will no, you know, space for just someone to just turn up and and, and just <laughs> wanting to watch a lot more. <clears throat> yeah, make sure you say that to the young lads who are going to subscribe uh, after yeah. that course and <laughs> let them know. Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure. And although this may be the, the first module that, that is exclusively dedicated to, to pornography, there are many modules across the UK and in other parts of the world that will deal with pornography at various moments. You know, in media studies, I know now quite a few colleagues that teach occasional lectures or that discuss the topic of pornography. And, you know, students are certainly familiar with what it is. And what we are trying to do is to make them think about it. And, you know, they will leave university and we will want them to be thoughtful and critical, you know, citizens and, and adults, whatever they go to do. So I think this is important. And what kind of jobs would they be looking at when they come out after graduating? <laughs> well, the jobs are, are, are the same. That has to do with any qualification that in, in artist or in visual culture and the kinds of critical skills that you develop in your ability to think about images in a way that is not just images in the context of their production and consumption that, that is not just superficial. So they can go work in a variety of fields and, you know, of course, if they, they want to go into working specific industries, they certainly can go work in whatever industry they want to, but the skill set is very much the same skill set that one would gain by, for example, the, the degree that you mentioned you did in film studies. So it's that, that attention to think, level of critical attention when looking at images and understanding what they are doing, who is watching them, and why is the industry so big? Why are people so interested in it? What's the place of this thing in our lives? That's it. You know, when I obviously did the film degree, you looked at Japanese cinema and how they use the camera in certain angles and German cinema, yeah. similar as well so would you be looking at like breaking down each kind that's, of that's an Irish porno right there it's <laughs> yeah. just black that is a, a very good question because also uh, the kind of grammar if you want of video porn or of cinema porn has changed the level of, of storytelling because there is still a level of storytelling even if the storytelling is of a sexual nature there are kind of tropes there are things that directors and cinematographers do to convey what they intend to convey so all of that we'll be talking about to try to also think about one of what I think is a really important debate in pornography. Is porn a documentary or is porn just fantasy? Is happening or that happened for the camera or is there a level of, of kind of acting or performance or creation of fantasy? And I think that that's the debate that often has, has been at the center of anti-porn and pro-porn positions where some people will say oh, it's just documentary so it's obviously violent, it's obviously disrespectful and abusive to women if we're talking about straight porn for instance, whilst other people say, no, it's a fantasy that is created with cameras, with performing for camera, with lighting, with editing, with rehearsal. And I think, you know, the aim is not to take either one or the other position, but to see to what extent can porn be a fantasy and to what extent it is actually just almost like kind of documenting yeah. uh, sex that takes place. Yeah. It's, it's mentioned as well that you hope the module that you're teaching will focus on or help move towards quote-unquote ethical porn. What is ethical porn in your view? So ethical porn uh, is a kind of a broad category of work that is being made by feminists and queer pornographers that on the one hand want to show have concerns with representation so they want to show a wide variety of people engaging in sexual acts in ways that on the one hand show negotiations of things like consent which is such an important debate today amongst young people in particular so that the moment of consent where consent is given
relevant is clearly shown. It's not just a certain type of body or a certain type of ethnicity or race that are shown in the scenes, but it's a broad type, a, a wide variety of people and genders, whilst at the same time work that, uh, like in any industry, is made with workers that are looked after so that people are paid properly, so that they have whatever they need uh, on set in the workplace, so that they are not vulnerable, so that they are not exploited, so that they do their work in proper conditions and, and they are paid fairly for it. So it's all those concerns that you know anyone has in any, in any industry that independent pornographers and more kind of politically engaged pornographers also have. So it's that kind of work that we'll also be kind of moving towards to see what's been happening today in that area of the industry. It's fascinating, really, isn't it? It's always been there, and since obviously the dawn of the internet, mm-hmm. it's exploded to every single facet, and uh, it's definitely so, something worth uh, worth looking into. Well, um, listen, Dr. Florencia, thank you very much for speaking with us this evening. Do you have, is there like a college or university webpage or website that people might, I know people listening won't be able to take part in the course, unfortunately. They're probably doing their own home studying right now. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what your parents would think if you turned around and said you were I got an A in pornography. <laughs> uh, so that's good. I mean, the, the, the module is certainly listed on the university website and at the bottom of, of the module descriptor, there is even a short recommended reading list if people would like to do their homework instead of enrolling the courses, as, as you say. The scholarship on pornography, the critical scholarship on pornography, has so many years now and has been going on for so many years and is so rich and in debate and engages with so many of the debates that, that we see today, every day in the media, you know, issues of consent, issues of ethics, issues of you know, gender and sexuality, all of that is being engaged not only by academics but also by pornographers. Uh, so I think it would be a fascinating course and a fascinating thing for everyone to read about and learn a bit more about it. Definitely. Well, listen, thanks a million for popping on. Best of luck with delivering the course. I hope it achieves everything you hope it does. And who knows, we might give a, we'll do a book review on some of those recommended reading We uh, will, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no worries. Dr. Florencia, thank you. Uh, thanks a million for popping on Room 104 this evening. Amazing. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.